our sermon prep person left. She didn't get you ready. So I'm going to have to. You ready? Hear a great word? This man, the preacher today, is going to be tremendous, powerful, mighty. Amen. Amen. Well, we got that out of the way. Hallelujah. I want to share this morning with you about two verses in the book of Isaiah. Well, actually three, because I want to start with one. But that, this one's, okay. if we could think about these three verses in Isaiah backwards. This is the latest one, then the next one's in the middle, and then there's an earlier one. But we're really looking at them backwards in time. The first verse is in Isaiah 59, verse 20 and 21. And it's about, it's, this verse is really about God speaking about the new covenant and what he's going to do. And he says, He will come to Zion as a kinsman redeemer to those of Jacob's tribes who repent of their rebellion, says Yahweh. And this is my covenant promise with them, says the Lord Yahweh. From now on, my Holy Spirit will rest on them. That's pretty good, right? Amen. And shall not depart from them. And my prophetic words will fill their mouths. I like that. And will not depart from them, nor from their children, nor from their descendants, now and forever, says the Lord Yahweh. Amen. That's powerful. That's us. Say, I'm a descendant. I'm a descendant. Amen. I knew you guys were out there. We owe people a message of the gospel of the kingdom. It must be declared. It includes salvation, but it's much bigger than that. It's the proclamation of God's rule over everything that exists. It's in the natural realm as well as in the spiritual realm. All that is here now and all that is to come. I like these two verses in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Probably my, well, there's probably not, I can't say they're my favorite verses, but they're close. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10, it says, and because, and look at this first phrase, and because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan, his detailed plan, will reign supreme through every period of time. Think about that. His plan is going to reign supreme through every period of time. Until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax. When God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were ever born, he gave us our destiny that we would fulfill. Then look at the last verse. That we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. God always accomplishes every plan and purpose in his heart. That's pretty good. I like that verse. And we're partners with him in the accomplishment of his plan. Whatever he rules over has life and freedom and beauty and order, and he rules over everything. And our, 
our, our awe of him grows proportionally with our comprehension of his greatness. In Psalms 145.3 it says, Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of his praise. And no one can measure his greatness. No one can measure it. Because, because his glory is unsearchable. It's beyond understanding. It has no bounds, no limitations. It's un- incomparable. And when we stop and gaze at his glory, his magnificence, we're promised in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made the light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Could you bring me that water? Think about that. The glory of God. Thank you. When we behold Jesus, when we ponder in his word, gaze into his face, it illuminates God's glory in our hearts and lives. Best of all, best of all, beholding him, we are promised to be made like him. In 2 Corinthians 3.8 it says, we are more and more like him because we are changed into his glorious image. We are changed into his image. Whose image do you aspire to? Whose image do you aspire to be changed into? Celebrities of our day? Or the one who created the universe? Now, in Romans chapter 8, God shares an astounding truth with us. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of fear, again, spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with Christ. Indeed, we are joint heirs with Christ. It simply means co-heir. It simply means we're, in the Greek, the, the word means identical. You're an identical heir with Christ. I like the way the Passion Translation brings out that phrase. In verse 17 it says, And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. Wow. Just think about that. Think about you being a joint heir with Christ. And he's given us an example in his, in his earthly life. He's shown us how to live, how to walk, how to move in God, how to open our mouths and sound forth spirit alive words. Because of our position as co-heirs with Christ, we can speak the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We can release that into the heaven and the earth. That's staggering. It's kind of hard to get your mind around, really. That God has given us that ability. When we open our mouths and decree God's word, we can change the atmosphere around us. We can shift things in our neighborhoods, in our regions, in our cities. Our declarations can act like a catalyst. They can set into motion events that bring about change, that bring his word into being. Our decrees also attract angel armies to help to assist us in our region. In Hebrews one fourteen, it says that. 
We are joined heirs with Christ. We are commissioned by him. We're commissioned to seed the heavens and the earth with his words, to seed them with declarations of truth, to declare his rightful rule. Jesus is the king of all the earth, to declare his rule over the kingdoms of darkness. He alone is king. In 517 of Romans, we're commanded to reign and to rule with him in life. And sitting silent with closed mouths has never been an option for real heirs. Let me say that again. Sitting silent with a closed mouth has never been an option for real heirs. And that's you. And that's me. Amen? Declarations are important because sometimes things don't really manifest unless they're spoken. If we realize how what we say attracts spiritual reinforcements, angelic or demonic, we'd be much more careful to watch what we say. Sometimes we'd be more deliberate in proclaiming what is true. God is in charge and he longs to manifest his goodness everywhere. And sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that if we just believe the right things, we just think the right things, well, everything will work out fine. Well, and having right beliefs is essential, that's for sure. But there's more. So many times in Scripture, things would not have happened if people had not spoke what God said. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, whoever says, whoever says, that's the wrong translation, but I can read that one. Truly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be be granted him. Wow. What a concept. But Jesus said it. He's the one teaching us. Bold declarations are important. Now the first verse The first of the two verses that we want to look at in Isaiah is in chapter 55, verse 11. And you probably know what that verse says. I'm going to read verses 9 through 11 in 55 of Isaiah. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, And bread to the eater. This is verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It will accomplish what I please. And it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Let me read that in a couple of the translations. That just verse 11. In the New Living Translation it says, It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. And in the Amplified Bible, so will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, useless, and without result, without accomplishing what I desire, without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. And in the message, the last one, so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. 
They will do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment that I gave them. Hmm. Words are given an assignment. What a promise. God's word is powerful. He said, my word will not return to me void. The word return is interesting. In the, Greek, in the Hebrew, it means just turn around. The promise is to you and me. His word goes forth and it does not ever turn around. It doesn't turn around. It cannot be reversed. And the word for not in that scripture is the Hebrew word means to negate something. It's like taking a positive statement and making it negative. God says, there's not going to be any maybes in the word I say. There's not going to be any ifs. If I said it, it's going to happen. If I said it, it's going to happen. If my word is decreed, it's not going to turn around. It's not going to come back. It's not going to be negated. It's going to happen. Nothing can negate it. Hell can't. Governments can't. Nobody can. God's word is powerful. The word for void in that passage is the Hebrew word, and it means effective, ineffective, or empty, or to leak out. God's saying, I don't give empty promises. They're full. They're effective. They don't leak. My promises don't leak out. They never return empty. And then in the word, it is accomplished. That's one Greek word, or one Hebrew word, for all of it. And it's asa. It's just a short word, but we translate it a lot. And it means to yield out of oneself. That is, that, that's what God's saying. He brings it out of himself. He creates within himself with his words. The entire universe really came out of God. Everything, all of creation, his words framed it. He said, let there be, and there was. And if God can do that, if God can create with words that he speaks, no word of his empty or void, that's powerful. That word also, also has a second meaning, and it says to become, to come to pass, to bear, or to yield. It draws a picture like of a fruit tree, and, the, and it yields whatever fruit, whatever kind of fruit it is. <clears throat> God's word is fruitful, always fruitful. And the last word is prosper. I like this one. It means to push forward, to break out, to be good, to be successful, to be profitable. God's word is profitable. Did you know that? It breaks out of confinement. It's kind of like the way a seed breaks out of the soil and produces. Make no mistake about it. God's word is alive. It is powerful. It is effective. The second verse is in Isaiah 51, verse 16. And this one says, this is a really powerful verse. It says, and I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, say, and say to Zion, you are my people. God says, I have put my words in your mouth. Now, that verse in chapter 59 that we read, he said the same thing. And that word mouth is the Hebrew word pay, and it has two meanings. It can mean what you, the, the vehicle which with you eat with, or the taste center of your body, but it can also be the speech center of your body. The opening of the body to sound forth. In the, in the dictionary it says, to sound forth a command and instruction and insight or some other communication. 
The mouth does this by forming and amplifying words to a person, an organization, a congregation, a nation, a government, or somebody else. These two words affect heaven and earth. In verse 51 of Isaiah, in the verse in Isaiah 51, God is talking about words sounding forth from your mouth into the realm of heaven and earth. The mouth, therefore, is the opening by which God uses to sow the seed into a person, into a city, into a region. God has designed our mouths to be the vehicle by which his word is released into heaven and earth. Think about your mouth being like a corn planter. You've all seen those corn planters going out in the field. They plant corn, don't they? What would happen to that if you put thistle seed instead of corn? You'd get thistles, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd get thistles. You'd get a crop of thistles. The crop you depend you re, you receive depends on the seeds you plant. The word of God or the word of Satan. Keep in mind that one of Satan's main goals, one of his main objectives is to keep us from speaking the word of God. He wants to shut the mouth of the believer. Far far too often we fall into his trap and we even embrace it. And but but from the very beginning of time God has planned that we that we should use what he's given us, that we should declare his words into the earth. And I want to tell you that verse shows me a divine partnership. A divine partnership. Look at that verse. Put that fifty one 16 or 16 up there. I put my words in your mouth. That's your part. He put your his words in your mouth. But then the next part says that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth. You speak and he moves. You proclaim and he plants. He put his word in your mouth so that when you speak, he may plant the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God, he planted everything. And he did it by speaking. He said the word be, and light was, and everything else. He planted the heavens and the earth with his word. But he told the prophet Isaiah, now I put my words in your mouth. My words in your mouth, so that when you speak, I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth. A partnership, my mouth and his power. And he's always ready. He's always ready. And you speak. To be your partner. To put his power to work in you. The conditions of the of the heaven and the <clears throat> The entire universe was made to hearken to the voice of God's word. Heaven and earth are made to respond to the voice of his word. And his angel armies are made to respond to the voice of his word. I like Psalm 103.20. It says, So bless the Lord, all you messengers of his power, all you, for you are his mighty hero, angels. You listen intently to the voice of his word to do it. As his body on the earth, we are to open our mouths and speak 
his word so that he may plant the heavens and the earth by the declared word of God. We are to proclaim God's word to mankind, to nations, to governments, to people everywhere, to set in place his word for the, for the foundation, to, so that he can set in place the foundations for a stable government and society. We are to be stewards of what God said. Because if the foundations are not set properly, they're not set according to God's word, then at some point our society is going to crumble under the weight of sinful roots, and it looks to me like we need to speak his word a little bit more right now. Right? Jesus said in Matthew 7, that such a house will, will not be built upon the rock, it will be built upon the sand, and when a storm comes it's going to fall but we've been given the assignment to open our mouths and to allow God to plant that word into the earth, into our neighborhoods, into our cities. He said, I put my words in your mouth that I may plant. See, words are the seeds we work with. Sometimes the words that we speak are not just for the person that hears it. God says, I need you to release this word into the region, into the atmosphere. I thought, Lord, can I do that? Can I release your word into the heavens and the earth realm of a region, of a city, even of a neighborhood? Can I do that, Lord? But he said, yes, I want to grow it there. I want to grow my word in there. It's been requested by my people, and I want to sow, want you to sow it into this region I need to set the foundations. I want you to release the truth over it. When I declare God's word, I'm releasing God's will into the nation, into the region, into the neighborhood, into my family, into somebody. I'm releasing his word in the spirit realm so there can be the productivity of the Holy Spirit at work in that. God is saying, release my word into the earth. Don't worry about whether somebody understands it or not. I want to grow it there. I want to move. When we make decrees over our homes, over our neighborhoods, over the community that we live in and beyond, we release those decrees into the atmosphere and they shift things. God begins to work. It's my mouth, but it's his power. He's at work, but he needs me to be in partnership with him. Hallelujah. Jesus taught us in Matthew 6. In the Lord's Prayer, he said, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But that's a different kind of prayer than a petition. It's a declaration. It's not a foretelling of the future. It's a commanding decree. It's calling something to be. Something, calling something into existence. He said, Will of God come? Will of God be done? When Jesus walked the earth, we see that kind of life happen all the time. When he spoke, things happened. When he spoke, people got healed. Wherever he went, he opened his mouth and issued commands. Decrees brought forth miraculous results. He spoke and God worked. And he said, why? The words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. He said in John. Wow. 
when he spoke, the Holy Spirit began to move, began to operate, began to function. Because when the Spirit of God hears the Word of God declared, he moves. Just like he did at the very beginning. There was chaos and darkness over the earth. God spoke and the Holy Spirit moved. Creation happened. Jesus opened his mouth and spoke the reality of the kingdom into the earth. He proclaimed an invitation to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, move here in this place. And the superior reality of the kingdom moved. It's a spiritual kingdom, but it visibly affects everything on the earth. It began to move and transform what was going on. The word became a reality and produced what he decreed. The seed of the words produced it. Jesus modeled that ministry for you and me. We're his joint heirs. We have to understand the power of our decrees. We almost haven't even dared to go there. Maybe it's like, well, we become accustomed to living in a, in a negative way of thinking. Sometimes we just fall into that downtrodden mindset. Oh, we're poor, we're victims. We have a defeatist mentality. We're not going to make it. We're just going to hold on until Jesus comes. I'm going to hold the fort, Lord. But if we're thinking that way, then we really have never understood what God made us to be. We have not realized that his DNA has literally been transmitted into us. In Second Peter 1, 4, it says, As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience partnership with the divine nature. Our decrees, just like our identical heir, Jesus, can become creative. They can become a force to release the word of God, to open the heavens and the earth to the word. When his word is proclaimed, things happen. We have this promise, but it only works if we refuse to abandon his word, if we stand in faith and decree God's word. When we water the seed with our prayer, with our faith, with our praise, with our confessions, with our steadfast trust, when we refuse to back off, that seed will produce after its kind. It becomes what it is or what it describes. Never give up on never give up on God's word. Never. Never back down. Never. Let me say that again, never. Amen. We can release God's promises into fullness through our words. We stand together with him. We speak and he moves. He made us that promise. He said, I put my words in your mouth that I may plant the heavens and the foundations of the earth. Hmm. We should believe. We should expect God's word to come to pass when we speak. The words we sow to multiply, to bear fruit. For God's word sown on healing to produce healing. For God's word sown on good success to bear the fruit of good success. 
We should expect deliverance, freedom, prosperity, harvest, miracles, healing, signs, wonders, fullness, satisfaction, restoration, preservation, preservation. I get that word out. We can expect. We should expect ways to provide to be provided for us, help to be provided for us, abundance to come our way, rest for our souls, wisdom for answers. Why? It's the seed that's in you. It's the nature of God to provide these things. Remember, God's spora, his seed is in you. Expect the parenting seed of your father to produce his nature and his life. Expect to produce to produce his life everywhere that you speak it. Because Words are seeds, and they grow, and they produce. What did God say about seeds? He said, let every seed bear fruit according to its nature. So, if you speak the words of God, you're going to get the life of God. If you speak the words of Satan, well, I'm not going to tell you that. You know. How can it be true that God has put his very word in my mouth that I might declare it? Because he said he did. He said, I put my words in your mouth. Lord, you put your very word inside of me. It's alive and it's powerful. It's, it's eternal. It's holy. It's mighty. It's incorruptible. Your very word caused me to be born again. Gives me life and light. Your word is the strength of my life forever. Forever. Listen to this last verse. 1 Peter one twenty three. For through the eternal and living word of God, you have been born again. And this seed, which, which that he planted within you, can never be destroyed, but will live and grow inside of you Forever. Amen. His word is powerful. It's mighty and it's strong. And when we proclaim his word, the fruit of it is eternal. Hallelujah. I got I got um, two things to give you. Well, one thing to give you. Can I get you to come and pass this out? Maybe get somebody to help you. This is a sheet that has seven steps to receiving and declaring God's decrees. Take it and use it as a resource for your prayer time, for your declaration time. It's got some good ideas there. The other sheet is not passing out, but they're out there on the front um, in the foyer, and it's a prophetic word that Lana Vassar, the prophetess from Australia um, that I listen to sometimes, she sent this word um, out on Friday, two days ago. And, and I just want to read a couple things to you out of it. Just to, She said, recently I had a dream. I heard the Lord speaking 
And he said, you will recover all. As he spoke those words, I could feel the creative power of his word already bringing forth that which he had spoken. Suddenly I knew that when he spoke these words, it was not a word for a far off time. He was making a declaration now of what was coming to pass now and what was springing forth today. The sense was so strong in the dream as his voice went forth, it activated the recovery and I knew the recovery was coming from every direction. There will be no direction left untouched. When I woke from the dream, I felt the Lord's heart for his people that now is the time to look up and to look to him and not to look at what had been lost. I could feel his heart so strongly encouraging his people not to give their eyes on the losses, but to keep their eyes on him in expectation of what he is now restoring and all that is being recovered. And it's just such a powerful word that God is in the process right now of restoring everything that's been lost. Health and just everything that's been lost, God is restoring. I like what she said, sevenfold restoration, double portion for your trouble endured, total divine recovery, a tidal wave of his blessing, his provision, and his restoration. It's time. I heard the Lord speaking over bodies recover. I saw many who had been struggling with issues in their body for a long period of time. The Lord is declaring divine recovery. The cycle of sickness is broken. Divine healing and total recovery in Jesus' name. And there's lots more of this word. But I just believe that God is moving today. As Ruth said in the prayer time, this summer is going to be a summer filled with God's glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor today. Oh, Lord, we want to we want to speak your words every day to declare your truth every day. Stir up our hearts to declare your word because with it then you can plant the heavens and the earth. You can shape our culture and shape our nation according to your will and not the enemies. Lord, we praise you and thank you that your word is powerful. It's strong. It's mighty. It's living. It's active. And it's in our mouths. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You didn't say any word you'd plant in our mouth, but you said, I plant my words in your mouth. You said that, Lord, and we believe it. And we receive it, Lord, today. You plant your words in our mouth that we might speak, that you might act. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Put your hand in your heart today. The longer I do this blessing, the more powerful it becomes to me. That when we speak, in fact, I do this blessing now over you every day. Even if you can't hear it. God wants to move into your life in such a powerful way. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, amen. Go in his grace today.